Dear listeners, welcome to the Data Frontiers podcast. I'm your host, Valentine Gandhi. In this podcast series, we will explore how new data technologies are being used to address some of the most pressing issues of our time, such as COVID-19, climate change, infrastructure issues, diplomacy, and education. In 2020, the UK government commissioned a study that was undertaken by NIRA's Digital Futures Hub for the Frontier Technologies Program. This was done to review the digital data landscape and identify data technologies that had the highest potential for impact and use by the FCDO as well as the wider international development community. This study was led by Matthew Shearing and I was the technical lead for the study. The full study link is available in the description below. In these exciting podcast series, we will be taking a look at some of the recommendations raised in this report and we'll speak to thought leaders and practitioners at the front lines of implementing data technologies. And we sincerely hope our guests will inspire you to make better practical use of frontier technologies in your own work. So we look forward to having you listen into our episode. We are very excited uh, to be uh, speaking with uh, Tim Harris, who is joining us today from the UK. Tim Harris is the user engagement lead for the data science hub of the data science campus of FCDO. Tim has over 24 years experience working for the UK civil service and other organizations in uh, government statistics, data science, international development, policy advice and development, and monitoring and evaluation, both in the UK and overseas, especially in East Africa. He is also a qualified professional chef and caterer. Thank you so much, uh, Tim, for joining us. We look forward to chatting with you in our studio today. You're welcome. Good to be with you, Val. Thank you. So as a start, Tim, can you briefly tell us about uh, your current work in the Data Science Hub and uh, a little bit on what your uh, team has been doing, particularly with frontier data technologies and approaches? Certainly. Um, I work in uh, what's called the Data Science Hub. Um, it's part of the Data Science Campus, which is um, um, established within the Office for National Statistics in the UK. So the Data Science Campus in the UK delivers better data uh, for UK government using data science and data science techniques. And the Data Science Hub is a small offshoot of that. We're based in the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office, um, and we use data science to try and uh, make better progress in international development. Um, we've doing, been doing a, a range of uh, different things, uh, some of which have been using uh, satellite imagery. So we've been uh, looking at whether we can estimate numbers of cattle in South Sudan. South Sudan, um, largely uh, agricultural uh, economy, uh, uh, cattle, very important part of that. Um, the environment and the context there makes it very difficult to, to collect information on the ground. It's hard to do an agricultural census. There hasn't really been uh, much data collected in that area for uh, 20 or 30 years. And so we're seeing whether we can use satellite imagery um, to, to estimate cattle numbers and uh, see, see, see where they are. Uh, we're going about that in um, a kind of stepwise uh, process using different types of satellite imagery. Um, obviously, uh, satellite imagery uh, comes with different costs depending on uh, the resolution uh, and, and where it comes from. There's a lot of freely available satellite imagery, but it's a quite low resolution. Um, the high res stuff, uh, much more expensive. 
So we started off by using the low resolution satellite imagery to see whether we could uh, identify uh, the general patterns of the cattle camps in South Sudan. Um, South Sudan, uh, they tend to corral um, their cattle uh, in particular areas overnight, particularly in the dry season. And you get these kind of circular uh, patches of uh, uh, worn ground. And you can pick these up um, from low resolution satellite images, uh, which, uh, which are freely available. Uh, and so we've been doing that uh, combined with some machine learning. Uh, broadly, we, 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 we find uh, an image that we think or know is a, a cattle camp. Uh, we, we, we show that to the computer and then uh, through machine learning algorithms, uh, we use that to identify uh, other cattle camps uh, throughout the country. So that's with freely available uh, low resolution satellite imagery, see whether it's being, uh, being worn down by, by, by cows now. And then when we've identified the areas where we think there are cattle camps and cattle camps being used, that's the time when we think it's worth buying um, some higher resolution satellite imagery. And here we're talking about uh, one pixel being about 50 centimetres by 50 centimetres. Uh, so fairly uh, detailed uh, images that, that, that we have to pay for. Um, can't count individual cows, but we can see uh, clusters of, of herds. We can see campfires around there, which gives us an estimate of the number of uh, people involved. Uh, we're trying to combine it with uh, ground truth data um, from uh, uh, the Food and Agriculture Organization are doing uh, vaccination programs in the area. So they can give us uh, some indication on the ground about how many cows there are, and we can compare that uh, with what we see on the images. And through another process of machine learning, we hope that we'll be able to, to take that information and uh, come up uh, with counts uh, of cattle um, in South Sudan. So we're really quite excited about, uh, about this. It's a new area. Uh, we don't think it's been done before. Um, and uh, we think it uh, could produce uh, valuable information for um, our FCDO colleagues, for uh, our UN colleagues, for people working uh, within the country um, as well. So that's one of the, the, the key uh, projects we're working on uh, using satellite data. Yeah, pretty exciting stuff, uh, Tim. Thanks for sharing those concrete examples. Um, you have a little bit of m and &E background as well. And, uh, and sometimes we have struggles even using the data from m and &E for evidence-based decision-making, even, even, even if we aim to do so, the knowledge transfer from data that comes from uh, research and evaluation often uh, there's a challenge in terms of capacity or transfer or even learning loops and so on. How do you work uh, as a data science hub to build, uh, uh, ensure that the information that you gather from uh, these innovative projects and case studies are transferred back to different programs within FCDO and uh, how do your colleagues adopt them and how do you ensure that uh, there's an awareness built on the exciting work that you do? But that, that's a really good question. I, I guess the first thing we would say is that the data science hub is, is relatively new. We're about 18 months old. Um, the data science campus in the um, Office for National Statistics is about three or four years old. And I, I think if we look at that uh, and see how that develops, we can see that in the early years of the, the wider data science campus, uh, they, they spread the net very widely. They did sort, lots of uh, innovative stuff. Um, and inevitably, a lot of that stuff kind of falls by the wayside, doesn't come off. Um, and, and you're constantly looking for the things which are applicable um, and can be used uh, in, in, in real world situations. Um, I guess the data science hub, we are still in our early stages. 
We're still at the stage where we're exploring uh, what is possible. We're still at the stage of uh, talking to people and advocating uh, for, for, for this kind of thing. Um, I, I guess in answer to your, your specific question, we, we, we uh, are looking to have conversations uh, with decision makers, uh, uh, first of all, to persuade them that these techniques uh, and new data sources have potential to help them. That, that's kind of the first stage. Uh, can, can, can we persuade people who are going to make the decisions about how to measure and monitor things, what information they need, um, what, what, what to collect? Can, can we persuade them um, that there is potential in using uh, new data science techniques and uh, uh, data science, new data uh, sources such as satellite imagery, large data sets, messy data sets, uh, and, and, and so on. Then, then we really need to work with them uh, to help them understand or help them understand, help, help us understand what it is that they're really trying uh, to, 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 to measure and how do they think uh, they, they will use that in their decision-making processes. Now, I guess inevitably with data science and big data, uh, we're often using data sources um, which are in existence or collected for other purposes. Um, so I suppose we think of uh, data coming out of social media, data coming out of uh, mobile uh, phones. Um, that that that. The fact that a, a, a mobile network operator collects data is not primarily to deliver data for international development or government decision making. And so often uh, we have to see what is available and understand how that can be used rather than in traditional statistic surveys approaches and other things you design a survey to give you the precise information you want um, and that balancing of seeing what information is out there and how it can be used in processes is perhaps a different uh, type of conversation a different type of thought processes to let's design a survey and collect information um, to answer this specific question so a lot of the time we're looking for proxy information um, information that kind of shed light sheds light on um, um, uh, the, the, the information uh, that, that, that we really want and that really needs a kind of deeper conversation <clears throat> between uh, the users of data and uh, people like us who can uh, explore what data exists um, and uh, try and uh, convert that in, 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 into something into something usable I think you're making a great point about how sometimes big data, or most of the times, is uh, is already collected for some other information, and we try to uh, use them to our uh, purpose or uh, or apply in our work. Uh, one of the ways to do that is uh, compare or kind of uh, manage and uh, sort of marry that with traditional data sources that we collect in our own projects, whether it's uh, research data or evaluation data and so on. How does your hub uh, do that? I mean, how do you mix traditional data sources collected by, let's say, FCDO program managers and the big data sources and mobile positioning data that and satellite data that you use? Yeah, I, I think that um, data science can add a lot to traditional techniques. So for a long time, there's been uh, these processes of using small area estimation techniques, um, perhaps to produce uh, very detailed uh, geographical breakdowns of poverty, for example. So we have surveys which uh, collect information on poverty. Um, they are household surveys. They can't produce detailed geographic um, data. And so we combine that survey information with more detailed uh, more detailed information sources. In the past, that's often been the census. Um, we look for common variables between 
the poverty survey and the census. And we try and use that to model the poverty indicators uh, for the detailed level at which we've got the census information for. And that is a very well-worn um, uh, process of small area estimation for delivering uh, poverty. Uh, what we can do uh, with data science now and new data sources is that instead of doing all these uh, looking for patterns between the data of the survey and the census, doing, doing that manually, uh, we have much greater computing power now. So we can do that uh, in uh, much larger data sets. We can introduce new data sets. Um, we can do it in a way where perhaps we don't really understand what the patterns are that we're looking for, but we can get machine learning to, 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 to look, at, look at those patterns. Um, and so this area of small area estimation is an area where we can bring in new data sources and we can use the computing power, which we have now, which we didn't have uh, 20 years ago, uh, to, to, to make better progress. In <clears throat> In terms of how we're using that in the data science hub, we've been looking at some work in uh, uh, Cote d'Ivoire in West Africa. Um, we've been um, using um, um, data, survey data on uh, HIV uh, and particularly uh, HIV prevalence in adolescents in Cote d'Ivoire um, to see whether we can get more detailed geographic uh, 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 estimates, predictions of, uh, of HIV there. And we're doing that through combining this survey data uh, with other sources of, uh, of big data. We've been looking um, at so to see whether uh, mobile phone data, looking at uh, how people move around the country can shed light on that, uh, uh, bringing in other uh, large data sets as well. Um, so that's a, a, an example of how we kind of marry the traditional uh, statistical techniques of small area estimation, and we try and extend them using uh, the, the computing power we have, the machine learning techniques, and the new larger data sources which are now available. Thank you, Tim, for the clear example on that. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the data literacy work uh, that the Data Science Hub does and reaching out across the aisles. And, and a lot of our listeners are FCDO managers who perhaps are not data scientists or even technology experts, but rather program managers who, who may be tasked with uh, utilizing uh, data science tools uh, depending on the new projects. What advice as a person yourself with interdisciplinary background will have for non-tech uh, non and non-data specialists? How can they start, where is the starting point for adapting uh, data sources or ML, machine learning and AI and, uh, and satellite imagery? What should be the starting point? I think I think it's uh, having a discussion about what the potential is. I mean, the, the data science campus and uh, we run a, a course called the Arts of the Possible. Um, it tries to demystify the language around machine learning and algorithms and natural language processing and big data. Um, it, it involves kind of hands on exercises about uh, using algorithms to, to program Lego models uh, to, uh, to use kind of uh, machine learning to think about how we can predicts uh, the weight of a cake at uh, a summer fair. Um, it uses, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we get hands-on uh, little reviews of uh, electronic equipment and get people to uh, cut, cut them up with uh, 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 scissors uh, and paper to try and uh, understand how natural language processing uh, works and the, the kind of concepts behind it. Um, and I think demystifying these terms and understanding these terms can help people uh, to see uh, how um, data science can be used. I, I think a lot of the time, uh, a lot of these terms are thrown around artificial intelligence, uh, neural networks, um, you know, um, 
um, all, all, all these terms, and, and people don't really understand, and 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 they're they're often used, I think, to uh, to to. Um, um, so kind of separate and, uh, and build uh, um, uh, um, a power of those that, that, that do understand from, from, from those that don't. And, and I think what we need to do is, is, is show people how these techniques can help them in uh, real life examples. Part of that is demystifying the terms. Part of that is seeing some of the examples um, that, that uh, we and others uh, are working on. Uh, and part of that is understanding what it is um, the policy makers, the decision makers are grappling with. What, what, what are the decisions they're making? What are the questions they're asking? What are the data gaps? And how can those data gaps um, be filled by traditional sources, but also by uh, new and innovative uh, sources and techniques? That's great, Tim. We'll make sure to uh, post the links of the art of the possible of course, in the podcast, um, maybe uh, just a little bit on the ethical side. When we discussed it with other podcast guests as well, and uh, from your studio point of view, uh, uh, you, you have ethics and evaluation, ethics and statistics and data quality. So what uh, approaches and frameworks do you apply uh, for larger data sets like big data and other sources that we discussed today? This, this is a, a very uh, real um area and one that for the kind of big data data science uh, um, area is, is is still being developed and i think it really will help uh, for um you know the international data science community communities statistics offices uh, research academia to come together and uh, really put some structure and uh, framework around uh, the ethics um, of, of using these data sources at, at the moment we take it on a project by project uh, basis we, we we look at the, the projects the data sources we're using uh, we go through a process of uh, thinking about what are the uh, potential ethical issues uh, with, with, within that within that project um, and so very much for us at the moment it is a project by project basis but I think it is an area that uh, would benefit uh, from some uh, wider uh, agreements uh, internationally across different uh, sets of data users um, about uh, the sorts of things which people should consider. Thank you so much I think that was uh, useful. Um... Perhaps for our listeners now, uh, as you know, some of them would be new. Uh, what's the most important thing you've learned about getting frontier data technology into use? I think it really is understanding what the users want. It's the conversation between um, the potential users of this information and the uh, potential uh, suppliers, uh, the people working on it. And I, I suppose that's where... Uh, uh, my role comes in trying to work at the boundary um, of, of, of that area. Um, I suppose I try and have an understanding of the technical aspects, uh, the, 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 the what is possible, uh, and also an understanding of uh, how uh, uh, decision makers uh, work, uh, what, what is in their minds, the questions that, 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 that needs to be asked to them, um, and working at that boundary between user and, and, and producer. And I think it is those conversations uh, between uh, user and, and, and producer um, of uh, data which are really important, not only in data science, but in all aspects of trying to uh, use uh, data um, and analysis in uh, making uh, better decisions, holding uh, people more accountable, uh, making better progress um, in international development. Tim, this has been truly inspiring and I hope uh, your colleagues in FCDO and others who listen to this podcast will reach out to you 
across the aisle and from both disciplines. Thank you so much for speaking to us this evening. You're welcome. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks for having me. Dear listeners, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Data Frontier podcast. If you wish to learn more about the work of our guests, please check out the links in the description. I would also encourage you to check out the full Frontier Data Study, which can also be found in the link below. This podcast is funded by the FCDO, and I would like to thank uh, Matthew McConaughey, the podcast content lead, and many thanks to our producers, Ben Walker and David Vigorov. Please do check out our other episodes in this podcast series and get in touch with us if you wish to learn more or partner up on any projects. Contact information to reach us is also in the description. Thanks so much for listening and have a great evening or day wherever in the part of the world that you're joining us from. Thank you. Thank you.